And welcome back, guys, to Artvance. This is part two of our conversation with David Roos, who is the National Director for Vineyard Canada. And he's also just a, a just an abandoned worshipper, songwriter, artist who loves the creativity of God, who has ministered in the creativity of God uh, since you know for decades. So we, we get to hear some of the stories that come from '93, and and uh, you know that's such a significant time uh, in regards to what God was doing in the earth in that time. So, guys, enjoy the second part of this amazing conversation. Let's get to it now. So cultural relevance isn't actually our goal. Authenticity is our goal. And because we're in the midst of a cultural setting, because we're part of a certain generation, because we express ourselves in a certain way, it's going to come out in a cultural, culturally accessible moment. Yes. But again, that's not what's driving it. That's not our end game. Our end game is spirit and truth, authenticity. Mm. I'm so sorry, Elliot. I'm talking way too much here. Please don't apologize. <laughs> I'm don't just, apologize again. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, I think it's it's good stuff to be chewing on though, right? It is. And I think it's important. And, you know, you mentioned cultural relevance there. You know, cultural relevance really is the desperate attempt to manufacture authenticity without right. the without the map of the heart, without the map of relationship, without the map of um justice and mercy oh man Mm. i you know that's just that's just like thinking about some of the things you're just talking about there um just brings me back to this one focus that you know we've we pursue uh you know the the technology driving things you know it's it can be so good that you can think it's the best thing um you can think it's god but like Last night I went shopping for shoes because I recently got holes in my shoes. Um, and <laughs> As we the do. only sh- the only shoe store that was open was the Spend Less uh, franchise, which is a you know it's it's like the go low or the the budget yeah. form of. We have one over shop. here called Pay Less, so it'd be the same thing, I think. Yes, exactly. Shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but here's the thing: I don't like shopping in those places because I know I can be buying something that looks good, but it's not 100% leather and it won't last. And oh, interesting. It will, there you go. It will stink out pretty quick, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, but the, the, they look good for a few weeks and uh, they mm. can tie me over until I get to that shoe store that I like going to, the boutique kind of, um, well, not boutique, but better than spend less. <laughs> um, and it's the same with us in the church is we can spend our, our, you know, even our creative craft, we can be spending all of our time on chat GPT, getting it to generate um, our creativity for us. And, and it might cough up a temporary solution that looks good mm. and appears mm. well, but it won't last and mm. it won't provide the results um, and stability and sustainability that only the presence of God authentically mm. can bring in the sure. midst of our brokenness. And um, so, yeah, yeah as you were talking about that, I'm just thinking we, we need to be careful. Are we spending too much time at spend less shoes and not, and not going going to where God's yep. called us to be, which yep. is high level authenticity, uh, especially in this season. I think we we are so tempted to buy in on the filtering system where we filter every photo and we we you know only share and post the highlights on our Instagram. We don't we don't share the lowlights. We don't share the mm. the reality mm. because we derive dignity from our highlights instead of dignity mm. from being human made in His image 
perfectly mm. imperfect. Um, yeah, but I'm yeah, going on a big, rant now. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's it's great. And what it's sort of got me thinking is back to this this theme of authenticity. So here we're riffing now. So you know, this is both of us off the top of our head in that sense, but so it's not pay less, but it might not be as well. Um the the super super posh place especially if that that causes a uh you know a, a a an unhealthy reach to attain that as 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 now that's authentic so again it's like it's what space you in second corinthians 8 says those that have much shouldn't have too much those that have little shouldn't have too little so there's there's always going to be disparity in that. But where I'm going with this is that middle ground is maybe making my own shoe just for a moment. If I really needed to, that if it's if it's me and it's my attempt, you know, that could be that could be the moment. So it's what it's making me think about is the parable of this, you know, the the 10 young gals, the 10 virgins, it's kind of mm. known as but the the sort of the poke at those that didn't have enough oil is they had to go to a professional oil seller. Yeah. So it wasn't just that they didn't have oil, they didn't have their own oil. And so the five wise ones turn to the foolish ones and they say, Oh, you better you better go down the road to the professional oil dealer so you can get your things full. And by the time they buy it and they come back. They've missed the moment with Jesus. It's not just about the end of times. It's about an encounter with Jesus. And then he yeah. says to them, I, I don't know who you are, which is like a, an incredible phrase that weaves all throughout the teachings of Christ, where even those, there's that crazy example where even people come and have healed the sick and raised the dead in his name. And he says, well, yeah. there's kind of a missing piece here. I don't know you. It's a little bit like the Pharisee thing. Don't Don't stop praying for the sick and healing the dead, but you do realize you just were using my name. We don't even have a relationship. Wow. So it's kind of finding that sweet spot in there where we're not always having to go to the professional oil salesman, yes. <laughs> you know, to fill our lamp. And I think that's, do we need to go and receive from others? hundred percent, both of our journeys, you know, we wouldn't be who we are today if there weren't yeah. others outside of our own proximity, locale, all of that, you know, that that impacted us and helped shape us. Mm. But I think why we're on this call together all these, you know, years later, I mean, you obviously were experiencing what I was experiencing at a far younger age, but here we are sitting together talking because somehow in the midst of it all, the spirit gave us the courage and the wisdom to go, this has to be about me discovering what this is for me. Yeah. And wow, so kind of in the creative sphere, you know, this whole conversation around the difference between inspiration and imitation. I don't know if you, if, if you find this, I was at, at something just recently and I'm, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus. I'm just, it was just an interesting observation. Someone mm. was facilitating worship, great, really gifted uh, worship leader, and they were doing a song that wasn't their own, you know, and just had the recording imitated, like just pristine. 
I don't know if they were using tracks or if they were pulling it off themselves. I don't know who can tell anymore, but it was like this moment. And then all of a sudden they went into the spontaneous part of the recording and did the spontaneous part of the song perfectly. And I went, like it was just kind of like the wheels kind of started wobbling and falling off the bus. I was like, Oh my word. Maybe they don't even realize that was a moment captured in a live setting that obviously was powerful and meant something to that worship leader, Mm. but it was like imitated so perfectly. It was now part of the song for them, but it wasn't their song. You you know, and I was just like, I kind of get it, but I'm like, maybe it would be good to pump the brakes and all of us sit down and have a conversation and go, that moment was to inspire you to go, oh, I can go off the page a little bit. Yes. I don't have to do, you know, but what ended up happening is another part of the arrangement of the song. And I'm just going, Lord, help us. You know, how do we get ourselves in these spots? Uh, you know, and and you're going for the good leather, but you don't even realize it's a sh- it's not even your shoe. That's <laughs> <laughs> your own shoe. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, of course, analogies always fall down, but yeah, that's helpful stuff. We're pulling on a few thoughts here, but uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no, yeah, and, just, and, it just struck me, and I thought, what are we doing? You know? Yeah, it's in a mindset. It's a cultural mindset in the church as well. Like, there's um, there's I, I think. A song called "No Longer Slaves" by Jonathan David Helser, and great song, um, yeah, yeah. And I've I've led that song so many times, and each time I'm aware of, hey, this was a, a spontaneous moment in the recording. Uh, I think it's when he sings out, "We are, you know, I am surrounded by the arms of the Father." Oh, okay. um, I can't remember. Yeah, and I, I think that's not actually part of the lyrical structure of the song. I think it was just oh, okay. during the recording, recording, and gotcha, and, gotcha, and and sometimes I'll catch myself singing that out as part of the normal part of the song. And then I realized, hey, there wasn't the same, you know, there's not the same feeling there because like you're saying, him modeling that spontaneous moment as a worship leader is serving us to, as a model, as a model to go, hey, trust the Holy Spirit. Yeah, follow the Holy Spirit, get in the river and don't live to a template, don't live to a a format, but actually realize song is prophecy and right you, right exactly you need to know what the spirit's saying and mm. don't don't yeah like you said with inspiration versus imitation um that's that's like not just worship leaders i think that's across every art form we you we Agreed. learn by imitating we really learn a lot but we shouldn't yeah imitate there. me as i imitate christ there's yeah there's an essence there but yeah but we don't set up a tabernacle yeah there you go yeah yeah oh so good I'm loving this. Hey, um, so t- we didn't even get to a couple things. I know that, that you told me pre-jumping. No, in, I, I think, to be honest, I'm I happy to come back questions. at some point if you want me to. Oh, David, that would be such a joy. Um, so <laughs> you've told us a little bit of the projects you're working on. Um, can we talk about a song story, a story behind one of your yeah. songs, uh, whether it's Let Your Glory Fall? Uh, uh, I just remember when you were talking about the wise virgins, um, I just kept on hearing the song Resting Place, which has um, been kind of one of those songs I've obsessed over in my in my worship leader. That was years. written by someone named Cindy Rethmeyer, actually. Or no, Daphne Rademacher. I didn't oh, okay. even write that. Yeah, no, but, but you sung great, it on... It's a great song. I did. Yeah. 
yeah hero lord oh my gosh have i prepared for you yeah it's a beautiful beautiful song yeah yeah um, but yeah, if you want to choose a song that you've you've uh, written or has been a major signature in your ministry, could you tell us a little bit of the story? Behind I mean, it? you mentioned "Let Your Glory Fall." I I mean, it's sort of I I think it's actually how that song originated was I was living in Kansas City in the U.S. and we had gathered together at on a university campus for a few days, and I don't know there was six seven hundred somewhere in that figure. College students, you know, I, at that time, I would have been in my late twenties or somewhere around there. And, uh, just this overwhelming sense of, of just the Lord's real kind of palpable presence in the room was way, way at the, this was a gathering that just kept, just kind of, it just wouldn't end sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. And people are, some are singing, some are praying, I am just, tinkering away sort of at the I was actually at a grand piano in in that setting and uh that phrase just started coming over and over let your glory mm -hmm. fall and then let it go you know to the nations and so that just became kind of one of those things that was just constantly showing up as I was leading worship a little bit after that and just the Probably, yeah, the, the residue in a positive sense, you know, of that just kind of lingering in my thoughts and my prayers and and uh, melodically. Mm. And so it's kind of an interesting tune because that that happened in a very, you know, uh, a very specific moment. And yet it seemed to be carrying out of that. So, uh, so the song took shape. Mm. So sometime after that, um by the end of uh well yeah so whenever it was in the 1993 i guess it would have been holy cow that's a long time ago but um uh was asked to uh be part of a, a vineyard recording um so that song made it into the mix of of the material that that we were that we did a live recording for this and it really had, I think it, yeah, it seemed to really resonate. It definitely had some juice on it, you know, when we were recording it. And that album gets released in December or wherever, somewhere at the end of 1993. And some vineyard uh, vineyards were gathering together. I am Canadian. I was living in Kansas City at that time, though, actually. Get together and they... Uh, start doing some meetings. Some people might be familiar with, you know, this thing that kind of stirred that became known as the Toronto Blessing, and you know, was the uh, was the incubator for a whole movement called Catch the Fire and that sort of a thing. So there's a guy named Jeremy Sinnott who was the worship leader there, and he'd been listening to this recording because it just had been released. Yeah. And the songs that I had on there, there was a there was a couple of us on it, but I don't know for whatever reason, particularly the songs that that I had. Uh, captured on that recording he just started weaving into the worship of this uh thing that just cascaded into daily nightly meetings it just kind of just kind of yeah. had this this whole thing and that song for a lot of people actually became the theme song if you will mm -hmm. that's the proper terminology of of what that of that uh, movement started becoming it's funny someone just texted me today with a picture 
of uh, John Arnott. I don't know if you remember that name. So he was the pastor yeah. at this church and, you know, as the head of, you know, this whole catch the fire thing, I guess he was sharing just some old stories with a group of people in Denver, uh, Colorado, and was just talking about let your glory fall me. The storyline was kind of funny. I just, I just got that this morning from a dear friend in the U S he goes, Oh man, John Arnott still likes you. Like he's talking about this, <laughs> but it was, but the song became so integrated in the thing. People, actually just thought I lived in Toronto. Like I must have been the worship leader there. And I think I was telling you earlier, um, I never stepped foot in Toronto until almost the very end of that year, 1994. Mm -hmm. And quite a few of the songs by that time that were on that particular recording uh, were just being sung on a regular basis in the meetings. So, but I, I love the way all these pieces just sort of moved together. And there was definitely pieces of what the Lord had even been doing in that room in a university campus a couple years before Toronto uh, kind of expressed Mm. itself. And that became the language for that. Actually, it's really funny you're mentioning this song. I'm part of a right now doing um, with the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. They're doing multiple nights across the country of prayer, inter-church, inter-denominational uh, it's really been beautiful. We've uh, been in a few Canadian cities. And the song that they wanted as a song that needed to, in their opinion, embedded in this thing, I'm helping facilitate worship, is Let Your Glory Fall. No. And to watch it just kind of having this surge of life in it. Um, yeah, uh, one of the Hosanna Integrity guys, I won't name drop or anything. So in the executive stuff there, he just sent me a, this is all off the top of my head. Sorry, I wasn't even thinking about this when you asked about the song mm. earlier. Um, yeah, it was just in in Asia. I think it was in Korea. It was a gathering of younger people that, like, that had gathered in a basement kind of thing. Anyway, they sang Let Your Glory Fall like over and over and over, I guess, the song. Yes. Like uh, the song we're talking about right now. So it's written in, you know, early 90s, and it's just kind of having this weird life in it again right now. Um, it's just intriguing to watch this stuff. Later. But it's in this moment. It was a bunch of Gen Zs and and millennials. It was a, it was a total youth, like young adult thing. So it was it's mm. it's a little disarming for me because you're going, whoa, like so what are those things that you know, some of the songs, you know, are we're obsessed with the moment. I think we can maybe sometimes miss the stuff that that will linger and last. Yeah. And uh, and there's no formula to that, really. And that's in the Lord's hands. I don't, you know, who cares at some <laughs> level, you know, yes. um, why that song? I don't know. But it's remarkable to me how it came out of such an authentic space of that kind of a heart cry. And mm. it's starting to pop up, you know, again, all these yes. years later. I sat down with Carl Tuttle when I was first songwriting. That's uh, one of the early songwriters in the vineyard. And uh, sitting there, obviously, he said, I've heard a couple of your tunes. He goes, man, he goes, you know, what we've learned through experience, or 20 years into it or whatever, mm-hmm. is um takes about a good solid 10 years for a song to actually really get in the vocabulary of the universal church. Mm-hmm. And... Of course, that was before social media. That was this and that. The and 
you know, you remember those days when, and I hope I don't sound like old, old man, get off my lawn guy, but it's like, <laughs> this isn't about nostalgia. It's just observing something, you know, a song would linger, find its way into the grassroots life of the local church. And then it would find its way up kind of into the CCLI sphere as that was starting to develop and, mm. and sit in that, in that space you know, we're now in an era for the last decade plus where we direct market to CCLI. You know, the goal is to get a song at the top tier of CCLI. And mm -hmm. the amount of number, sort of number one in quotation songs, you know, our, you know, our church worship billboard, you know, list, the CCLI list, the turnover in there and, and the, I don't even think it's, it's necessarily wrong, but did that, that design, you know, almost scrapping for that space. Who who's yeah. going to write that song? That's going to jump into that space. Um, yep. That didn't exist, you know. It's it's actually a pretty new phenomenon in the history mm. of, of the church. I mean, the whole history of the church. There's been mm. no time like that. So, what's the good in that? What are the things that we can take away? And what are some of the pitfalls? You know, like are we trying to write a number one CCLI tune, or are we trying to capture the authenticity of the moment and give hard expression to that and then see what the spirit does. And there's a combo in there. I'm, I'm certainly not opposed to yeah. writing and getting stuff out there and everything. But I think the stuff that has resilience and resonance, you know, is what comes out of the, again, this theme just keeps coming out of authenticity mm -hmm. and a real, the real grassroots raw expression of who we are, whether that's celebration or lament or art or liturgy, you know, yeah. that, 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 that kind of expression. Anyway, that was a long answer to a short question, but yeah, the if I can launch all kind of thing just kind of keeps the ripples kind of keep moving, you know? Yeah. And look, it comes back to the heart. If I can launch off what you were just saying there with regards to the CCLI billboard, because you'll have a lot of Christians that say, uh, you know, we've idolized, you know, the art form and we've, you know, oh no, we've fallen from grace because that's what the world does. But then you have people like, you know, Brendan Lake and, you know, Maverick City Music who are getting Grammy Awards at secular awards events. Sure. And and you'll have Christians attack that. Um, but then you don't realize, hey, what is happening is Jesus is getting recognition and being made public. And, sure. you know, the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdom of our God, you know? And I think sure. sometimes Christians lose salt sight of that. Salt and light. Yep. Yeah. Salt and light. Just let it and be, let it be real. Let it be what it is. Find its way. That's it. That's it. And and the, the world's actually searching for, um, you know, the fulfillment that comes outside of the status, the fulfillment that comes outside of succeeding. Um, mm. And, and mm. when Christians who have that solid sense of my identity is in the Lord, my art form is to be made excellent because it's for his glory. And then you mm. get world recognition for that. Um, it doesn't, sh it doesn't shudder you. It doesn't shape you. Uh, it, it becomes a light to the Gentiles of, mm -hmm. you know, this is mm -hmm. how we handle success. This is how we yeah. steward it because we're yeah. not looking for it to give us dignity and, and identity. Um, right. And I love that you've mentioned that about the CCLI thing. Cause yeah, lots of people have different perspectives on that and mm. um, yeah, no, it's, it's really, it's really important. Um, but I also yeah. wanted to state, Regarding Let Your Glory Fall, uh, it's it's. Did you say you wrote it in '93, so it's 30 years ago? Yeah, it might even been. I mean, I can't remember exactly when that. It's sort of one of those songs that percolated over a long time. It was yeah. recorded in 
I believe. Yeah, it was recorded in 93. So it might have been yes. written in 92. I don't know. Sure. But yeah, it was released on, on the on the Vineyard CD in 93. Yeah, um, I think it was uh, I think it was uh, what they called at that time, the Touching the Father's Heart series. And it, yes. I think it was an album called Glory and Honor, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That no. seems to that seems to be the one. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's amazing because the beginning of this year, I was on a Zoom call. We were part of a, a prayer network, and and one of the leaders of our network had been diagnosed with cancer. He's not much older than me, and oh, we were man. just was just spending time praying and worshiping together. Mm. Um, and I had the guitar, and I'd worshipped a few songs, and then I sang "Let Your Glory Fall," mm. and um, and Stephen, who the guy I'm talking about, dear friend, wow. who's doing through going through chemo, said something shifted when you sung that song. Um, oh, interesting. There's huh. God saying something about that song this year. Um, mm. And I said, yeah, I agree. I really feel there's something on it. Anyway, he's all clear now. He's clear from cancer. Um, wow. And and so I'm really thankful to the Lord for that. But yeah, the fact that that's coming from a few locations now, there's a few different yeah. people that are witnessing to. There's something huh. about let your glory fall in this room. Let it go forth from here to the nations. Let your fragrance mm. rest in this place. Oh man, mm. that's that's the heart of worship right there. Mm. Um, mm. We're no longer mm. asking for you know that we serve you well and that you're at a distance, but we're saying no face to face, mouth to mouth, mm. God. Um, we want that intimacy. Um, so mm. yeah, no, that's so awesome, David. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Cool. No, that's great. Yeah. Um, Very good. Well, hey, how did? Uh, every move I make come about because my kids that's one of their favorite songs um yeah could you give me a bit of a a background on that song and then we'll we'll head towards wrapping up yeah 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 um yeah it's it's that's it actually never has been recorded the way it was originally birthed and I I still would love I would still love to do it I was actually in Johannesburg in South Africa and was in uh, this little beat-up gymnasium uh, with a bunch of Zulu uh, Zulu folk and and uh, a few whites sprinkled in there, and and they had the you know the big tribal stick stuff and all this stuff, and they're kind of doing the stomps and the whatever. I'd also been at a Johnny Clegg concert, which uh, he's, I don't know if you know that artist. He's dead now, but it's South African. Uh, just a brilliant, brilliant uh, white guy that had grown up in the townships anyway, uh, phenomenal music, uh, which was all banned during apartheid, of course. Um, but anyway, it was in that setting. This is post-apartheid, obviously. And that just that whole that Zulu sound, the whole thing was just this whole every move I make, I make. And I just this whole thing started just kind of, Forming, so I was. I, I wrote the song out of that moment and experience, and then uh, was part of a conference uh, in in Johannesburg uh, at that time, and brought it out in sort of the conference space, and it just it just exploded, and then made its way. Uh, I did a couple little things in Europe, and and then back home here in North America, and it started kind of taking shape from there and then it just sort of became this song that yeah kids just love to sing mm. uh, uh yeah it's it's just <laughs> it's 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 been a crazy crazy ride that song but i'd love to revisit it at some point though 
it be possible even go back to South Africa, have mm. some, uh, maybe some Zulu artists and stuff help me come up with an arrangement of it and just, and just really, really unlock it from that. Mm. But it's been, you know, it's been interpreted in a billion different genres and sounds and, you know, this and that. So, but yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of the, the little snapshot of, of that song. Yeah. Which kind yeah. of leads into your, your, the heart you have for native sound, you know, the sound mm. of the land and, and, you know, historical context culture coming through the sound of song. Right. Um, right. And that comes through, like there's, there's some native American tones right. that have come through what's yep. what's the background there could you tell me yep. a little bit of information regarding that i mean the biggest the biggest thing in that and again you know we just keep coming back to the simplicity of the of the same thing for me it was about authenticity mm. so we uh you know we're church planting in an inner city context uh, in north america that that means the broken bits of a city i know in, in europe and i'm not sure what that means in australian sort of understanding but yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of the guts of a of a city context where there was a a, a very large population of uh, First Nation Inuit and Métis people that have come off the reserves or trying to find their way into society, trying to find jobs, and mm. you know you have similar history to us here in in the Australian journey with the Aborigines and things, and just some really some pretty bad missteps as far as just trying to figure out how to share the land together and, you know, all of this hard, this multi-generational healing process, you know, yes. but anyway, just, just in the midst and, and this, this was our neighborhood. This is who I was mm. getting to know. These were my friends. And as we were trying to write songs, you know, in that context, um, it started just, yeah, bleeding through. So, Again, it was that thing of inspiration, not imitation. I didn't, in order, for, I didn't feel like I had to all of a sudden now become dances with wolves and like completely <laughs> transform into a to a First Nations artist to have authenticity there, but to to allow that to influence and to help shape. So I did some co-writing, uh, you know, with some First Nation people. Um, we gathered in. Uh, I'll just wrap with this. I do need to go pretty quick here, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we went in. I I just said, hey, got no friends here. Like, so I met a, a young gal named Susan Chief. Mm. Started just gathering in her home, uh, mainly with single mothers and stuff, but people uh, a little broader than that. Kids bouncing off the walls everywhere, glue sniffers, uh, mm. people just trying to survive and cope with life. Uh, predominantly indigenous people, and I just. Yeah, I was trying to find a way to help them, you know, connect with with God. Yeah. And I remember one day I was just like, I just had this thought. I thought, I just asked them. I was like, do you guys pray? Yeah. And they were like, are you kidding? Like, we <laughs> pray all the time. Like, yeah. look at us. Like, we are a freak show. Like, our lives are an absolute, we're calling out to God constantly. Wow. And they're not Christians, but they're yeah. like, I was like, what is happening? And the story of Peter and Cornelius in the book of Acts, when, uh, you know, Cornelius is crying out to the Lord, it calls him a God-fearer. He's not of Jew. He's not of, obviously, he doesn't know anything about Jesus. 
Mm. But he's giving to the poor and he's just crying out. And Peter gets wow. yanked up from where he's living and he's going to share Jesus with Cornelius and a house full of people. Mm. And I thought, I said, you guys, let me tell you a crazy story. So I tell this story and I said, I think it's because you guys are praying that oh. my family ended up here in this city and I'm sitting in this house with you. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah. They're going, God, listen to us. I said, I think so. Like it's messed up my whole life, but here we are. <laughs> and so we wrote, I started talking to Susan and out of that came a song. I don't know. Some people are familiar with it, but it's, you know, obviously it didn't make it into the CCLI charts because half of it's in, in, in the Soto language. Mano sepi tapamibide is let the river flow. So it's, wow. it's uh, let the river flow. It's just this whole thing, which yeah. actually found itself into some of the renewal stuff, but um yep. So I so I gave Susan Chief co-writing on that half the whatever. So before she was a Christian, I was watching her get quarterly royalties off a song she helped me write that wow. churches were singing, and she eventually became a follower of Jesus. And uh, but I just love that. I just think that's so great. And so it became, yeah, part of. But again, I think. If I would have just tried, and I could have, and maybe it wouldn't be bad, but like just, oh, I got to write a First Nation sounding song because we have so many. First, and it was like, no, let me sit with First Nation people and let them teach me, let them influence, let me hear their stories, let me, let wow. me get in the dirt with them, let me sit in their house, you know, and, mm. and you know, with, you know, half of them passed out, sniffed, you know, as high as a kite on glue, and we're discovering a sound together, you know? And so wow. that's where a lot of that, that comes out of. So then I feel like I can stand even on a platform somewhere in a total other part of the world. And I've got integrity. I'm not just trying to do a cool song. I'm, this is actually coming out of friendship and people that I've journeyed with and trying to find a way to express our hearts to God. And we really mm. did. And if other people, find that it helps them express their hearts to God, so be it. And if they don't, so be it. Yeah. It doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, oh, as long man. as it was authentic and and given to the Lord. Yeah. Pasagweek is one of the other songs that you did in the That's another one. Same, same kind of uh yeah. 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 It's That's it's beautiful. that same. It's come Lord. You know, it's this this yeah. So we were doing a gathering in that same church. This is years into it now. And yeah, and and yeah, that wow. heart cry just coming out of that. Exactly. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, hey, in wrapping up, we all I always ask our guests if they can release a prayer of impartational blessing over artists as okay. artists are finding their sense of creative calling. Um, mm. would you be able to just pray for us and then we'll wrap up? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. You, I can do that. Yeah, no worries. Uh well, Lord, I just um yeah, step into the the mystery of how how however all this works, where we can pray for one another. And I do pray, as you said, Jesus, a time is coming and it's now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So, Lord, right across the spectrum of the creatives and artists and everyone 
Lord, that uh, I just bless authentic stirring um, that would result in being salt and light, whatever context we're in, whether it's in the church or in some aspect of the entertainment industry, whether it's just trying to pull together a movie night with our kids or whatever it is, mm-hmm. Lord, that, that as we tap into the invisible things that are made visible through artistry, Lord, that you would just um, grace us, grace us with courage to be true, to be real, but also to serve and Lord, to have your heart for people just bleeding through everything that we do and everything we say. So we just release blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Guys, you've been listening to David Roos. And David, again, it's been such a joy and an honor having you on ArtVance. I think we went longer than 45 minutes, but I think we'll be okay. It's been so rich. Uh, I could do a part one, part two. Like <laughs> do whatever you want. It's fine. I just but um but thanks. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Elliot. Appreciate it. It's good to be yeah, here. Yeah, thanks for being on. And guys, make sure you uh re-listen to this one again. You'll get tons out of it. And uh be blessed, shine bright. We'll see you next time on Art Fans. Fantastic. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Art Vance. It's been such a joy to get this conversation to you. And, uh, yeah, please go and follow David. Stay in touch with what God's doing through his life. You can find his website in the show notes below. So I hope you've enjoyed it, guys. Stay tuned for our next episodes of Art Vance that are coming out. We've got some great conversations coming up as we continue to go after God's heart for the arts industry. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.